to Podnuts Mini PC Show 121, brought to you by Larry Beck. Thank you for your support, Larry. Dor, how the heck is it going, man? Hey, Rich. Uh, I'll say this is going much better now that I get a chance to chat with you about all kinds of uh, goings on. How how are you down in Florida? Uh, all is good. Uh, you know, like, like I've been telling people I haven't seen for a while, all of the important things are good. The The minor things are getting better, and they'll get worked out. I definitely agree with that. Um, I will say, um, if you want to know why we haven't had a lot of shows here lately, go ahead and listen to DDG episode 44, and you'll hear all about the uh, health ordeals. I don't want to regurgitate them here. Uh, for the people who want to hear it, go listen to that. Uh, the long and the short of it right now is I have s- surgery scheduled for June 12th, which will hopefully leave some of the uh, goings on with me. Now, is that for the brain transplant or the gender reassignment? Uh, I'm going to do both at the same time. Okay. Um, and I hope you don't, um, I mean, this, did we learn anything with toilet paper about a, a year ago, Rich? <laughs> okay. So I've got a major YouTuber gun shoot coming up in Georgia where there's gas shortages. And I've looked today at like 50% of the gas stations in the town where the ranges don't have gas. So I, I was looking at renting a Tesla. Honestly, I turned to the wife and I said, this is kind of why I told you like eight months ago, she said she wanted to think about giving our small compact car Chevy Spark to my 15, very soon to be 16 year old. And she wanted to get something. I said, get it all electric. She said, well, I don't know. I'm, I think I should get a hybrid. No, electric. She was like, why? I said, because no matter what happens between now and four years from now, gas prices are going to keep going up. Now, with this kind of stuff going on, yeah, not fun. So um, we've we've had two hybrids. We're on our second hybrid, and I'm really loving the hybrid. Although, uh, one full electric in the family works. My wife, uh, you know, she goes to work like 15 miles away and back and doesn't go too far. And, and not that, you know, with the Teslas and superchargers, it's not that big of a deal. But I kind of like being, you know doing like a, a pit NASCAR pit stop as far as f- refueling. So uh, hanging out 20 minutes waiting for the thing to charge up. Eh, I don't know. Not so keen on that. Well, also, uh, my, my wife didn't want a full electric because we have this thing called hurricanes that knocks out power. Yeah, I absolutely understand that part. Um, I will say with all the advancements this coming model year, there's going to be more than a couple of vehicles that will be able to get from 15 to 80% charge in less than 15 minutes. Um, also, electric motorcycles, like full-fledged motorcycles, they, they believe the following year, we're going to have multitudes to pick from that can go from 18 to uh, from 15 to 80% in, in under 15 minutes. Yeah, I've, I've looked at a lot of DIY electric motorcycles, and it's very interesting. Not, I'm, don't get me wrong, I love the whole idea of riding a motorcycle, I just don't want to be a road pizza. I understand, but I show my wife, since my job has me privy to some information, the National Transportation Highway Safety Board numbers show consistently for the last like 45 years, ever since they started to collect these numbers, once the motorcycle rider is over the age of 40, each subsequent year, the chance of death or serious injury falls substantially. So I'm pushing 50 now, so I should be really safe. Mm. That's what I'm trying to convince her, though. Um it's been well over a month. I want to say almost two months. March 11th, 10th was the last time we Oof. were able to sit down and do a show. I know. Um, 
there has been a lot of news, but there's also been a lot of pointless news because that's, I mean, there's just so much going on with mini PC things. The three things I have to mention super quick, just because I have to. One, in case I didn't make it clear, Pine64 has their own podcast, Pine Talk. Uh, one guy is a YouTube thing, uh, and the other guy, I have no idea who he is, uh, they, but they seem like nice people. The other podcast I want to make people aware of is Post Market OS. Post Market OS is another one of those operating systems that they make for, I do believe, Pine phones, Pine tabs, and other things. I do believe they also uh, have some Chromebook OSs. That one is supposed to be a little bit more of a power user's desktop where they plan on having full integration with Android APK files. Um, those are the two podcasts that I'm shocked there's not more distro or hardware-based podcasts. With all the celebrities jumping in uh, in the last year, I cannot believe there's not dedicated Debian podcast, Fedora podcast. I mean, from the actual companies kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Or, dare I say, a Raspberry Pi podcast with people who work at Raspberry Pi. That would make sense. It would, and that's why I don't understand it. I mean, every every other celebrity and organization, they're throwing everything they have at podcasting, hoping something will stick, even if it's Louis Black, you know, like a 70-year-old comedian doing a podcast. Well, you know what they say, the Pope isn't Catholic. So it, it might be the people at Pi or, you know, where, wherever, Deviant or whatever, just they're done with it. They Five o'clock hits, they want to leave. I definitely understand that, which is why I'm happy. My nine to five job now, I have to be in Windows the entire workday. I have to be in Windows the entire workday. So when that bell goes off, bloop, that computer gets turned right off and I don't turn it back on. I, I don't know if I would get fired for what I'm about to say, but I, I know so little about Windows now uh, because, I mean, that I do work with Windows or use Windows for work every day. But don't ask me how to do something with it. it not, not like I can't figure it out, but no, I'm, I'm not a Windows guru. Not like how I knew like Windows XP or Windows 7 or NT40 or something like that. So, yeah, I, I, Google is my friend. Oh, yeah, it has to be. Um, I will say there has been more than a couple uh, pieces of hardware news, least to mention the Raspberry Pi Pico, which the only way I can uh, describe it is, is a super low-budget microcontroller where you can run like small Python-based operating systems on it to use as what I think of is the backbone of automated infrastructure, if you will. This could be the core of your own custom smart switch, smart sensor, um, things that interact with your Raspberry Pi computer or your home IT server kind of thing. Yeah, I I think this is you know it's the like edge IoT type stuff. Uh, this is like the Tasmodo type. Uh, what, what are the they based on? I'm sorry, I'm forgetting what they are. I know, uh, but it, it's like that core where it has Bluetooth, Wi-Fi, and uh, you know just a real basic operating system. Yeah, I wanted to say Arduino, but that's not it. And then I wanted to say RK thirty three ninety nine, which is which is not it either. But it's the um, E. EMP 286, something like that. It's close. I know what you're talking about. Um, Hold on, I need a can opener. I'll crack one of these open. I'll let you know. Well, Pine also sells a version of that 286. Oh, it's the ESP. ESP, right. Yeah, yeah. And um, yeah, and what that is, it's just a super cheap microcontroller. Literally four or five bucks. It's like dirt, dirt cheap. But you have then the trust of you being the administrator on it, and you know every piece of code that is running on it, if you want to, and 
you have the ability to customize the level of security on that if you want. And you don't have to rely on a company's good graces keeping things updated. So I, I actually am a big fan of the Raspberry Pi Pico coming out. The only question is, how can we utilize it? Well, I, I think it's one of these things. So the Raspberry Pi just ate the market, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, before it, there was, you know, some MC68000 based uh, stuff like Basic Stamp, uh, Pick Microcontrollers, those types of things. But the the Pi is just plain out the go-to if you're going to do something. And, you know, it's kind of a shame because I, I don't think a lot of people know what a 555 timer is or how one of those works. But they'll write, you know, Python code to modulate a pin on a, on a Raspberry Pi. So they don't know, you know, a resistance capacitance circuit for timing or, or any of those types of things. Anyhow, no, it, it's kind of like I walk to school uphill both ways in the snow, blah, barefoot. Um, that being said, the get it they're kind of late to the market with the Pico, which I, it'll be interesting to see if if it takes hold or if uh, the ESP is a 286 and I, I always mess that part up is just going to keep the market going to be because there's a lot of infrastructure there for the Tasmodo and, and all of that software. Yeah, I do believe if you're running the Python server on it, the code will literally be nearly interchangeable. You might have to change um, the GPIO numbers of the ports. Um, one of the things I definitely wanted to show off line 415 in the notes, uh, sorry, eyes bad, um, was this, uh, it's basically an entire software defined radio working on a Pico, on a Raspberry Pi Pico. Now, I'm not a ham person in any sense of the word. I don't care about any ham news, any ham technology, any of that stuff. What I care is lowering the barrier of entry of this stuff so anybody with a couple bucks could technically speak their mind to whoever wants to listen. And software-defined radio is the old-school way of doing that, where you don't need an internet, you don't need a podcast, you don't need this. You can just literally turn on your software-defined radio and speak up. Oh, that's cool. I, I have... I could... Didn't groom the link, so I'm definitely interested in this one. Yeah, the guy who's doing it, he's basically doing it on a breadboard with only a couple other pieces of hardware involved. Um, so it's one of those things, in theory, it should not be difficult to put together, and it should not cost a lot of money to put together. And you can have your own software-defined radio. Um, to me, that's really where you could get into more of like wider area solutions and not just your local area network kind of thing. And besides, uh, the obvious thing, doing uh, customized walkie-talkie. Oh, for sure. That sounds very cool. So for hardware, what are they using for the radio part? Honestly, I think you have to watch the YouTube video to actually get a breakdown of all the actual pieces of hardware. Oh, I cleaned up my uh, desk so my SDR dongle isn't sitting here. Yeah, that's cool. I'm definitely going to watch that after the show. Gotcha, gotcha. I did watch it, but now it was, you know, two months ago, so I kind of forgot. Um, <laughs> the long and the short of it is, I believe there was two updates from Pine64. I like giving just brief overviews on these. Again, you can join their Discord server or their Matrix server or their IRC server, and you can get all these updates. Uh, or you can subscribe via RSS to their blog. The long and the short of it is, they do foresee certain hardware uh, will be hard to get between now and like the next couple months, but they do believe there's going to be more than a couple of things that they will be able to do. 
Uh, among them, they do believe that their RISC-V processor-based board will be uh, going out to developers here in less than two months, I want to say. Uh, they do believe they're going to have pieces and parts to do Pine tabs. I don't think they uh, they said they're going to have a hard time getting screens for Pinebook Pros, but also they believe they're going to have the keyboard available for the Pine phone. So if you're the kind of person who has to have that physical keyboard connected to your Linux-based phone, then you need to um, follow the Pine64 monthly announcements. Speaking of stuff, uh, WiseWatch, I wear it frequently. 10 days worth of battery. If you don't mind not making a phone call from your watch and not sending and receiving texts from it, I mean, there's, there's stuff you can receive, but you can't reply to it. That's probably going to be coming. It does heart rate, blood oxygen, all of those types of things, which is pretty cool. I found another use for it. I went away for the weekend. I didn't have to bring a charger. I just brought the watch. Because uh, my Samsung watch, I have, you know, it, it'll go like almost two days without a charge. But you're going to be at the end. Whereas 10 days, and you don't have to worry about it. And how much was that again? Was it 20 bucks? I want to say 25 bucks, yeah. You know, it might have been twenty plus shipping. Yeah, the nicest so, way to put it was a steal. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I've got a. I don't know if it's a little bit more than a twelve dollar band on my twenty dollar watch, but I like this band. I like a metal band, and uh, super happy with it. I, I, I can't. Ser- seriously, I alternate. Like when I'm working out, I'll wear this watch because it's lighter weight and doesn't get in the way as much. Uh, when I'm biking, I like my Samsung watch because it tracks my biking. It automatically knows that. You know, just you know, little preference items. Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, something else I wanted to make sure was in the notes just for my own uh, stuff in the future. Um, we all know about 18650 batteries um, and what they are, what they can do. Basically, they're like the universal uh, re-um, re-um, re-um chargeable battery. Um, it, honestly, if you open up your Tesla's, battery pack it's filled with 18650s uh this was something i saw on a youtube channel i can't remember which one it was but basically it's a magnetically it uses magnets which of course are like miracles magnets connected to the 18650 and then it turns it into like a portable usb charger so essentially if you have like three or four 18650 batteries sitting there doing nothing when this becomes available again on amazon i want to say it was only like eight bucks you can buy it and you can have a portable rechargeable battery now i was not sure if this would charge and discharge at the same time i do think it did uh but i can't remember i am going to try to buy one of these because my uh rav power unit i use here that's been literally plugged in now for well over a year straight i think might have finally kicked the bucket i unplugged it all took it upstairs, put it on a dedicated charger, and I'm just going to let it sit there for a couple days and see if it comes back to life. But um, if I might need a a new solution. Oh, gosh. Well, I I can't find another one of the chargers. I I think I gave it to my wife and my daughter when we were traveling. Yeah, I just love reusing this because, to be honest, between me and you, my old um, uh, nicotine vaporizer, I I had, I had, like, I want to say five, spare batteries and they were all 18650s and they were like samsung batteries that were actually like really good batteries um so i'd like to be able to reuse them again that's brilliant the magnet works yeah i just thought it was cool it was one of those things as soon as i saw i just said to myself i had to bookmark it and bring it to a show someplace just so 
it can stick in my mind. Oh, very cool. Okay. Let me scroll down a little bit. Yeah, um, I will say Risk V keeps making lots of headway, but it's the kind of headway where it's still not even coming close to being a consumer like grade kind of thing yet, but it is catching a lot of attention, a lot of people's eyeballs. Um, so it, expect, I'd say within a year, we're going to start to see some actual risk V based things. The gimmick is they're going to be unbelievably cheap because licensing fees, you're not going to have to pay Intel. You're not going to have to pay arm not have to pay any of them. And you're going to be able to have functional, useful operating systems. That's cool. Uh, one more thing I had to talk about. 440, because this was an old Tracy Holtz thing that me and him dreamt about for years and years and years. Uh, and that was a affordable, like a truly, truly affordable dual NIC setup. So you could literally take this piece of hardware, go into any place and have yourself an actual gateway, a gateway that you can monitor the packets on. You could do packet filtering. You could do alarm. You could do um, on all kinds of uh, network monitoring off of it. Then now the gimmick is this is not a gigabit port. Neither of these ports are gigabit. So this oh, would sucks. have a limited use case. But right now I have basically three networks in my house. I have my wife and kids network. I have my studio network. And then I have my IOT network of stuff that I don't trust ever. Mm -hmm. I can see putting this 10100 on my IOT network and just do packet sniffing the entire day doing logging and anytime a new Mac address or IP address comes onto the network, send me an email. Yep. And again, it's only $26. That's pretty cool. I mean, you still got a, is that a battery on it for a real time clock? Yeah. So you got to provide power. I'm guessing, uh, you know, it's not POE because you they'll say it's POE if it is. Does it come with a power supply in a case or is that extra? I don't think it comes with any of those things. And even if you go to that site, I don't think you can buy a case. Best case scenario, you could go on Thingiverse or a place like that and find somebody doing a what? case. 3D print something? Can I show off some 3D printing? Sure, sure. Okie doke. So I have a Raspberry Pi cluster of four Raspberry Pis. These are just stunt doubles. And there's a five-port switch in the middle right there. And there's a, let's see, Ethernet connector there. It's uh, basically a female-female. So it's going to be one wire going in and uh, power. So it's going to be one Cat5, one power. It's going to look like a trash. So here's the trash can top. And here's the cylinder. I got the fan on it. So it's going to fit over like that. And trash can lid on top. Because I don't have an exact fit on everything yet, I'll have to do the balancing act to show it to you. So I, I figure I got a number of pies. I'd print a couple of these out. And, uh, you know, they don't necessarily have to be clustered, but I do have uh, ESXi cluster. Gotcha, gotcha. So all of you guys in podcast land, you'll have to look at the video. And I did isolate your video. Now I thought this video would jump back and forth, but no. Okay, I tried. Um. That, I'm going to guess, is in PLA? Uh, yes, it is. Yeah, I definitely uh, like the look of it as well, say. And it looks like, to me, the right size of something that you could have in the corner of the room. Wouldn't take up a lot of space, wouldn't take up, wouldn't make any noise, and you could just have it there doing its thing. Yeah, it's going to have an external power supply, power brick. Um, so I, 
I kind of like the idea of it being modular, that you you could just about unplug it. You know, it's two plugs, your power and your Ethernet, and take it anywhere with you. Um, you, you could throw a battery on it, too, if you wanted. Actually, that's kind of a cool idea. Because uh, that, that's what, like, Google does for its motherboards. They have batteries on the board to power them. Yep, yep. Um, one more thing I had to bring, even though... This is the kind of thing, if somebody has an opinion, they're going to be very opinionated about it. Okay, I, that I understand. Um, Huawei has already put out a couple laptops. Um, they all, to me, look really nice. They're all super thin, super sleek, decent battery life. Um, now they're coming out with a laptop that's powered by their Kirin 990 ARM processor. And right in the very first line of the article over on CNX Software, while it's already possible to purchase an ARM Linux laptop like the Pinebook Pro, the Rockchip 3399 processor and 4 gigs of RAM may be limiting for some, especially when doing multitask. Um, the defending of the Pine thing is their products are supposed to be for enthusiast developers or enthusiast just um, uh, fans kind of thing. Um, they will get to the point to where they will be ready for an air quote prime time usage. Huawei, on the other hand, there's no doubt you get this thing and it is going to be quite capable of running what you want on it, um, especially if it's a Linux operating system. Um, yeah, it's going to be a octa-core A67, A55 processor. So that's the big little processor with up to eight gigs of RAM, 512 gig storage and a 14 inch display. Uh, the cores go from 2.86 to 2.09 uh, gigahertz. Um, I'm sure this is not going to be cheap, is what I'll say out loud, but it's the kind of thing. Somebody starting to make these means somebody else will be encouraged to start to make these, and then somebody else will be encouraged to make these, I hope. So hopefully in like two years from now, we'll be able to literally buy a Lenovo or something and not have to worry about the Intel tax, not have to worry about, Three-year-old Spectre things that coulda, coulda, maybe, kinda, maybe, maybe could thing where you could literally just have an ARM processor laptop and actually live the dream of doing everything you want to do on it. That is really cool. I wish there was a price on this. Knowing Huawei, at least $600 is what I want to say. Yeah, I don't know if I want to pay that much. I know, I know. Um, They say it's going to be available starting Q2, so literally in the next two months, they believe it's going to be available. Eight gigs is a stink load of RAM. I can def. Well, here's the thing, and I was I, I, I meant to ping you, and I didn't. Um, it was a article on like Venture Beat or some more popular site, and it said the days of buying a laptop and it only having eight gigs of RAM needs to end right now. And I'm thinking, me and Rich thought that like six years ago. Where the hell are you? Oh, yeah, at? yeah, yeah. Well, that, that's why with the new Macs, I, I have a Mac with 16 gigs of RAM. I want a 32 gig of RAM Mac. And I'm not buying another Mac. This is, my, this is the Mac I'm dying with. Yeah, I can't see buying something with less than 32 gigs of RAM ever for the rest of my life because my logic will be, what's the point? Because I already have stuff, you know, that I need more, not less. I mean, I don't move from a townhouse into a trailer. I try to move better, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, unless the trailer's on the beach with a great view and you just be mm. a killing song in the townhouse. I, I hate to tell you how much my house is worth. My, my house... Uh, like went up in value about fifty percent, and I've been here six or seven years. So that's I would like, not, I would not be able to buy into this neighborhood. Yeah, that that was kind of like my first house. My first house, 
two miles in that direction in Edgewood, I bought for literally $90,000. Two and a half years later, sold it for $180,000. Then I bought this house. 13 years later, it's almost worth what I paid for it. Ooh, ow. Yeah. Well, I made so much money off the first house, I was it was inevitable I was going to not make out with this house quickly. Yeah, well, Florida real estate's just gone nuts. Also, my house in New York, I'm going to be selling. So uh, that's another place that kind of went nuts. Yeah, absolutely. Um, here's, a, here's a true, in air quote, mini computer I have to bring again, partially because I do have a history with this company. I do have like two pieces of hardware, I believe, sitting right to my right-hand side. And I thought I had another one sitting over here. Melee, M-E-L-E. It's a company I've bought more than a couple things from them. They've never been the super best thing I've ever bought in my life. Uh, Line 440 again. Um, But they've always been, you got exactly what you expected device if you know the specs, if you know the numbers. And this is a um, Melee Quieter 2. It's an ultra-thin, fanless mini PC powered by an Intel Celeron J. 4125 processor. Now, the 4125 processor, I believe, is pushing three years old now, um, which just means it should be very optimized. It should be able to do functional things without catching on fire. Um, But when you load something like Google Chrome on a Windows desktop, expect it to take a couple seconds to load because, you know, Google Chrome and Windows. Um, It's literally like the size of like a credit card, and then it's like stacked up to be just thicker than a USB port is what it looks like. Um, This is the kind of hardware I love to just look at. Okay, it's slightly taller than a Ethernet port. Um, wow. You know, this is 8 gigs of RAM? Yep, 8 gigs of RAM. You, all right, M2, so you can put it in 1 terabyte. That That's very functional. Yeah, Um, storage 128 or 256 flash, and then it has an M.2 SATA NVMe socket card reader. Uh, video output is two HDMI ports. Two HDMI ports. I love that. Um, gigabit port of uh, 802.11 BGN AC Wi-Fi 5 and Bluetooth 4.0. Uh, four USB 3.0 ports. I don't think you'll be able to get full speed on all four ports at the same time, but I'm sure on one you can get good power um, speed through it at least. And the power supply is via USB-C. Um, 131 millimeters by 81 millimeters by 18.3 millimeters. I'm sorry. This thing is just sexy. I like it. Okay, so I would compare this, like if I was going to buy this, and there's there are use cases. So my use case would be the thin client, where I have my two monitors, keyboard, mouse plugged into it. And, you know, when I had the place in Orlando that I was traveling to, that'd be a great thing just to, you know, Velcro to the back of the monitor. Um, the only thing I would say is I would look at the specs and compare it. What would a nook of similar spec cost me? I'm guessing it'd be more, uh, but this this looks like a really neat thing. Um, this is the kind of computer I would want in the past to be able to just stick in my pocket, take to work with me, pull it out, plug it up, and have my personal computer sitting right there. Or if I was mm-hmm. a road warrior... If I had to every week go to different hotels to do my job, this is the kind of thing I'd absolutely have in my pocket. Um, right now, it's around 240, which just means wait three to six months. And you'll probably be able to get it for about 180. Now, it, of course, it comes with a case because it's a built product. Does that come with a power supply also? 
Uh, I doubt it only because it's USB-C, but uh, I'll say oh, okay. I give it like a 50% chance that it will be in there. But knowing them, the cord will be a foot long. <laughs> right. Now it says uh, non-standard 12-volt USB-C as found in the Chewy lockbox. Uh, USB-C, isn't it? It's 5 volts. What are, what are the voltages? There's like 3 voltages, right? Cannot remember. I'm not going to lie. I don't believe there's three voltages for USB-C. Oh, so yeah, it's a non-standard. This is uh, slightly scary. Okay, you better not lose that uh, charger then. Yep, I might be wrong because what I'm reading says there's different wattages for USB-C. Maybe it's not voltages. I thought oh. it was voltages though. Oh, okay. Um, the two quickies I just want to throw out there is uh, there is two things with Nextcloud in the news. One of them is Nextcloud is has a new like add-on plugin. It's called Nextcloud Health, where uh, it can take your health trackers and it can sync to Nextcloud Health. So if you want to host your own health information on your own network in your own solution, Nextcloud Health might be able to help you do that. I believe it works. Oh, with, that's cool. Because um, I, I just saw Samsung had new privacy notice for their health. I'm like, oh, jeez. I, I just didn't want to go through it. And, and jumping back to the USB power, what it's saying is USB power is 5 volts, 9 volts, 15, or 20 volts. So 12 volts is not one of them. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, yeah, I do believe that NextCloud Health was compatible with the Apple ecosystem, with the Samsung ecosystem, with the Google Fit. And I want to say there was one other they mentioned in the update. Um, is, is it WiseWatch? It... Don't know. Um, but the other one is uh, there's a thing called Open Project uh, that they're looking for um, that does open um, open source project management. That's what I was trying to think the word is. So NextCloud continuously, quietly keeps putting more upgrades into their system to become more functional, whether it is nice. for like your Soho or your enterprise level stuff, or if you just would want to become an entrepreneur, they're definitely starting to get more, I'll say, uh, more of a complete solution. Well, there, there's NextCloud VMs. There's uh, also NextCloud containers. So you you but pr you pretty much can deploy one of these without too much effort. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I'll make sure both of those links are in the note if anybody wants to do a like a deep dive into them. And I forget the Office suite they come with. They they come with. Uh, do you remember the name? It's not LibreOffice. It's not StarOffice. Oh, Star's old. I know. Mm. Anyhow, it comes with an office suite. So if if you're looking for like a Soho type uh, network storage, conferencing, you know, video conferencing, video chat, uh, you know, full application suite, uh, it's pretty amazing. Yeah. So it, instead of giving Microsoft crazy money, this is this is all open source. Yeah, it's using uh, only Office. Okay, yeah, that's right. I forgot. And I'll say any of these Office solutions, whether it is Office, whether it is LibreOffice, or any of the other solutions, if you're using it for you, and then you save it in open document formats, and you send it to anybody using any other Office application, it works just fine. The only gimmick comes if you try to save it in its native format, and then send it to someone using another solution, you come into issue. So uh, ODT, I believe, is the open document format. and tangent my nine to five job we're using a custom solution where every almost every place in the solution you can click on three dots and hit save as 
um, and it says Word doc or spreadsheet, and you save it, and it's saving it actually as open document templates in open document spreadsheet mm. formats, which makes it to where it just works everywhere you go. Oh, wow. Not really sure if any other news around here. I'll say around here, the only thing I've done, um, I talked my wife into letting me buy for my birthday uh, two pieces of mini hardware. One of them is called an M Classic. The other one is called a Super 64. It's where you can take a Nintendo 64 that I bought off of eBay, plug the Super 64 up to that, then plug the M Classic up to that, and then go to your TV. It literally smooths all the pixels, and it looks like it's upresing the device kind of thing. Um, oh, cool. But the first thing I did was I took it over my sister-in-law's house, and I let her borrow it for a week because there was like two games that she remembers as a kid that she thought was cool. I said, well, fine, you can play that. So what I did was I loaded up uh, uh, RetroPie on my Raspberry Pi 4 that I'm right now using as a mumble server um, and just one, one, once in a while playing a game or two during the week just to like de, de, um, de uh, tox from work. Because, mm. you know, sometimes that's got to not think about work or cooking or cleaning or that stuff. <laughs> Yeah, I, I hate to say it, like Wednesdays roll around. I'm like, oh my God, it's Wednesday again. And, uh, you know, it, it doesn't seem like I'm getting enough me stuff done. I'm just, you know, it's like I got the finger on the dike and the water's not coming in, but I, I don't feel like I'm making headway. I, I hate to say I absolutely understand and agree. Um, line 445 in the notes. This one, it's the kind of thing I want to wait and see what becomes of it is the way I'm going to put it. Um, there used to be a Linux desktop operating system I loved called Hybride. Uh, the gimmick with that one was you could load it up on your laptop and then you could actively dynamically switch between like seven different desktops without having to log in, log out. And I saw this Hybrid OS and I thought, they're trying to do that for the Raspberry Pi? And I start to read, no, 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 no. Hybrid OS is a totally new operating source system designed for small IoT devices and cloud computing environments. Hybrid tries to provide the development, the developers, with more possibilities than just traditional operating systems for standalone hardware environment. So it's basically trying to be that edge network operating system kind of thing. Um, this isn't the only one. There's been a couple more I've seen in the last like two months. Uh, this one, I'll just say caught my eye a little bit it seems like it's a little bit more developed than some of the other ones not saying it's ready for prime time but this does look like it could be a really good development environment if you're trying to do your own iot infrastructure development and you don't want to have to rely on debian's patches or you know somebody else's patches i just thought this was an interesting thing don't know if it's going to catch on but um i just like the fact that other people are trying different things oh yeah it looks cool and again, if I had more time to do cool things, this would be one of them I'd look into. Yeah, because like all the development stuff I'm doing for my nine to five is nothing even remotely close to being this uh, detail oriented is the way I'll put it. Okay, now one more. I'm, I don't know. I've said one more thing like three times now. Um, this is proof. Like back in the day when I first started podcasting Linux for the rest of us, I, I would always say stuff like, you know, I don't know what it would take for us to, in air quote, win. Um, you had a bunch of mental invalids say, well, when it's the year of the Linux desktop is when we win. And I'm like, no, I don't think you understand how this stuff works, son. Um, here's how I know we've won, because companies cannot stop. They're tripping over themselves. 
to say, I'm releasing this as open source. I'm releasing that as open source. Microsoft is releasing crap tons of stuff on open source. Apple is releasing stuff in open source. Oracle is releasing stuff on open source. And IBM is releasing stuff on open source. And they cannot stop. They all want to get that cred. They all want to get that credibility and say, look what we're doing. Look what we're doing. Um, so here's another one. This is called Lib Libra BMC. Now, the way I read this, baseband management controllers. This is something like I would almost relate to the um, um, LIFO, FIFO, like back-end operating system on hardware to do the back-channel communications while your front-end operating systems and software is handling the other responses. Uh, this is called Open Power Foundation, um, formed to promote IBM's open-source power instruction set architecture, and they're going to basically de develop into Libra BMC. Um, so this is like another way that you can have an assortment of devices, an assortment of hardware communicating with each other on its own like trusted network kind of thing, like their own maintenance network. Yeah, yeah. And not surprisingly, they highlight first and foremost, security is their priority. Um, I'll say a few companies have been around long enough to where I really do think that they really should understand, yes, security should be your priority whenever you're trying to do these kind of communications. IBM is definitely one of those companies I think should know it. Okay, so you brought, A-Rex was an IBM thing, was it Rex? I think Rex was an IBM thing. I think so. So back in the day, so we're, we're talking 25 years ago, I, I had Amiga 500. I used software called DeliTracker in A-Rex, basically allowed you to script all of the key presses um, that you would do from the UI. So basically, it, it's like batch scripting. I wrote a playlist before playlists existed and rotated through the playlist to teach my birds how to talk. It would have me say a word and then another bird that could talk say the word so I could teach the chicks I was raising how to speak. And they learned how to speak before they were done eating, uh, before they were eating solid food. Very cool. Okay, Rich, I don't really have a lot more updates uh, over here. Okay, I lied. Um, B-Link. We brought more than a couple B-Link mini computers here in the last two or three years. And honestly, I think uh, Brian brought at least one or two. Um, B-Link, I'll say this, they make a range of hardware, uh, line 447 in the notes. Um, some of it is, I think, higher end. Some of it is, I think, more expensive. And then they make some of this less expensive. Um, B-Link GK Mini is a compact desktop. And this is, I think, just smaller than Nook form factor size for, it says, about $200. Uh, four by four by 1.7 inch PC with a quad core Intel Celeron J4125. We've just mentioned that one earlier tonight with eight gigs of RAM and 128 gig SSD. This one's definitely bigger than that credit card size one. Um, but this one is available on Amazon for just a little over $200. It says, um, I, if my son turns to me and says he needs a computer in his room for work and I don't have one, this is going to be just fine because I'm not buying a computer for my kid to play games on. Um, if he wants to buy a computer to play games on, he can come up with that money himself. I'm not doing that. Okay, this is almost too good to pass up. Eight, four cores, Gemini Lake, up to 2.7 gigahertz, 8 gigs of RAM. 
I boy, if if you want to set up like an ESXi home lab for two hundred bucks, or, or you know, you get three of them as a cluster, that that's stink cheap. Yeah, and it has good like ports, good I/O. Um, it, it does have an M.2 slot uh, with support for SATA SSDs, so you could easily upgrade the hard drives. I'm gonna say, um, yeah, I'm a fan of this company. They've made a couple things in the past I thought were pretty cool, uh, but this one does look like it's really nice. Again, four USB three, two HDMI ports, gigabit NIC, two hundred bucks, hard to beat. Yeah! Wow! Wow! If I wasn't hurting financially, I'd jump all over that. Trust me, I understand. Uh, I found out my governor is offering a uh, hundred bucks to all state employees to get vaccinated. Yeehaw! Turns to the wife said, "How bad do you need money?" Yeah. <laughs> wait, wait, wait to hear her answer. Uh, so it is a Celeron class. Yeah, and don't get me wrong, Celerons cannot do like extreme AutoCAD stuff. You know what I mean? But you're doing desktop browser word processing, even old school game emulation kind of thing, that thing's going to work just fine. Even if you're just, you know, on the back end transcoding stuff using Handbrake, as long as you're not in a rush, I think it would work just fine. All right, here's the thing that worries me. It's got two five-star ratings and only two ratings. Well, you could be number three. And I do agree that's unusually low for anything on Amazon. Yeah, usually they pay for people who do more ratings. Well, on the bright side, I literally saw this on the 11th, and it's only the 12th. Maybe it was just put up a couple days ago. Um, I will say um, I am also, I mean, if this doesn't look ridiculous, I don't know what does, Rich. Um, I want to play around with either Hoogan or Node Red to try to do some uh, replacement of um, a Hootsuite you were looking at. Um, oh, okay, yeah. And this is the most ridiculous-looking solution I've ever had in my life. This is a NanoPi Neo with a Gigantor <laughs> Wi-Fi USB dongle on it uh, with a, a huge heat sink on it um, running uh, Diet Pi. And I'm trying to get both uh, Node Red and Hoogan to work on it to see how well it can be a replacement to do those kind of scheduled postings to other sources. Now, can you install Hoogan, or however you pronounce it, uh, with Diapi? It looks like it's just a um, curl with a bash script okay. to run. I love that. Uh, and it looked like the only requirements, there was only, I think, two or three pieces of software. The first OS I loaded, it wouldn't work. So I am tried Diapi, then after that, I'm going to try Armbian to see if I can get one of them to take it. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. It, and so my ask right now is with all of the fragmented uh, social media, there's, let's just say there's 10 different places I'd like my posts to end up. I, I really would like to be able to po you know, post it once on, you know, whether it's an app or whatever it may be, and then have it go to, you know, Twitter, Facebook, um, you know, Gab, wherever you know you you fill in the blank of alternate alternative media because I, I would like to utilize those things yeah i mean the old technology i think it was called subhub pub bub sub sub hub pub bub don't say that three times fast um or that was the whole goal with it was trying to be like a super feed posting thing but i'm gonna keep playing with that see if i can make any success there uh, but speaking of that, Rich, if someone wanted to go to a one-stop shop to catch up with you, what's the uh, easiest way to do that? 
Uh, flyingrich.com is where all of my social media is. There's a contact for me. So if you want to get a hold of me, send me a message or you know, tell me I did something right or wrong, please go there and let me know. Very cool. Very cool. And I'm sure we missed a couple emails, but I'm going to say they didn't put enough words in caps for me to like catch it. Um, if you would like to send us an email, it's very easy. Uh, minipc at podnuts.com. You can follow us on Patreon on the mini PC show. Uh, link in the notes kind of thing. And I want to thank everyone for their support and patience during this. I'm not going to say unprecedented time because every time somebody says that I want to punch them right in their throat. Um, during this normal time of a normal year, we're, we're all suffering through something. Me, it's nerve damage. Oh joy. Um, but I want to thank Rich for coming out. I want to thank Red for coming out. The Mac geek chatter for coming out. Uh, Charles for coming out. Uh, all you guys, thank you very much. Um, and I'll give Rich the last word. What are you going to try to do next in the mini PC world, Rich? Oh, wow. And so this year I really wanted to catch up on things I didn't do last year. And the things I haven't done still, uh, that are first on my list is somewhere on my desk here. I've got the, um, HDMI, uh, what is it? Encoder, the HDMI to USB so I can grab screen so I can do screen caps. And the USB Coral, Coral, Google Coral, however you want to say, for machine learning. So those are two things I've been wanting to do and haven't done yet. Don't get me wrong. There's like another dozen. Very cool. Very cool. I want to try to figure out a way to make it completely hands off. I want to get a mini board and external hard drive for my buddy and give him his own NextCloud instance where he doesn't have to know about backups or updates and he doesn't have to rely on me to log into his network and do updates on it kind of thing. Um, we'll see how much success I have with that. Oh, that's a good one. Very cool. Very cool. Uh, and I want to thank everyone again. And if you want to give us any ideas on things to do, don't hesitate. Shoot us an email or you can join us on discord or a couple other services that we're on. Um, and with that, we will talk to everyone again real soon. Hi, this is Matt from the MRP tech podcast. I would like to invite you all to take a listen to my show, the MRP Tech Podcast, on the Podnuts Network. The theme for my show is Everyday Tech for Everyday People. We talk about Windows, Mac, Linux, iOS, Android, Chrome OS, and anything else technology-related. You can find us on iTunes, and you can find us by searching in any podcatcher. We hope you take a listen, and let us know what you think.